Well, hey, this is Dorinda Trick, and you have just arrived at this week's episode of Nurtured to Love, Why You'll Never Know Your True Identity Until You Get to Know Your Own Spirit. Welcome, everyone. It's Monday, January the 16th, 2023, and today's episode is entitled, What Makes Spiritual Identity So Powerful? Let's go before the Lord. Wow. Father, I just thank you that your principles never change. They are without violation. Actually, they are violated day in and day out, but they they are ultimate. They are supreme. They are going to uh, be preeminent uh, in the end. We must continue to recognize, Lord, that you are the supreme power in the universe and your power comes from truth, and truth cannot be compromised. In the end, truth will win out, and we're grateful for that, Lord. We are very, very grateful for that. So today, Lord, I thank you for your spirit coming and just infusing this broadcast today in such a way that as people listen, their hearts are moved, their spirits ignited and inspired, to find out who they are in you and who you've made them to be, and then to master that principle, that law of truth that applies to their very own identity, DNA from you inside of them in the deepest part of their being, Lord, so that they can live their life uh, in a redeeming way, uh, receiving your redemptive power and passing that on to others in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in the book entitled Witness to the Truth, and this is going to be quite an endeavor for this uh, year, trying to take it very carefully, very slowly and thoughtfully, prayerfully with you. So we're still hanging out, I think, in the introduction here. I'm going to go back to page 13, which was the last page uh, from last time, but I want to reiterate a very powerful truth that you need to get right out of the gate today. Your spiritual identity is your true identity. When you operate in it, you are endowed, infused, dyed deeply, and permeated with the power of God. So if you'll remember from last time also, uh, I ticked off five questions that we were going to consider. The first, what is my spiritual identity? We looked at that. We found out that there are seven fundamental spiritual identities that are spelled out in Scripture in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Uh, These are the dimensions of uh, the character of Christ. They are given to us by Father God. Uh, We can take a questionnaire, not at the back of this book, but at the back of a book I wrote a few years back called Opening the Gift. Also, a more recent publication called Truth and Love. There's a questionnaire in the back of that book as well. This is uh, a way that you can determine what your redemptive gift is, which is another way of saying what your spiritual identity is. And your identity, again, is given to you, your true identity, by God the Father. It is a part of your essence. It is your essence, rather, and it comes from Him. And it is only in your own human spirit that there is a portion of God's light. So your spirit's not all good. You do have some bad things in it. 
Uh, be careful that you don't think spirit good, soul bad. You do have a soul, and there are both good and bad things in that soul, as well as your spirit. But there is no other part of you, you're like your spirit, that carries a portion of God's light. There is no other part of you that God is going to deal with on the level of your divine purpose for living, i.e., your call. Call is, is sort of a Christian expression, but it does speak to your purpose in, li- in life, in living. I continue to remind you that I'm a late bloomer, didn't come to the Lord till I was 38, didn't come into this understanding until I was 47, had really been, uh, you know, pursuing identity, pursuing purpose, trying to make sense of my life for many years, and had done that in some very traditional ways, and that was fine, went to counseling. Uh, first as an unbeliever, and, and so my counselors were not believers. And then later, as a believer, I sought Christian counseling. It was good. It took me down the road. But it was nothing compared to my coming into uh, contact with the uh, revelation that I'm sharing on these broadcasts, which is that you have been made spirit, soul, and body, and your true identity and your true purpose And the only thing that's really going to give you a sense of fulfillment in life is when you connect with who you are in your own spirit and know the purpose that God has put for you there. So the that spiritual identity, that's number one. That's that whole domain. That's that territory. Today, I want to really drill down with you um, what makes spiritual identity so powerful. Because in Christian culture these days, and of course, definitely in the, in the culture at large, there are tons of different formulas, programs, strategies. People are writing books all of the time on these subjects. And um, the prophet part of me gets very uh, ooh, frustrated with that because everyone misses the mark when they leave God out of the equation, when they leave Jesus out of the equation. And um, well, as we talk more about these different gifts, and we, even today I'll mention to you about one of the gifts that tends to get stuck in the, in the brain, so to speak, um, we really miss uh, the, the point when we, when we do not take into consideration the Spirit, Holy Spirit and our Spirit, and what God has given us in our spirits is just fantastic, tremendous, incredible. So we're going to begin now on page 14, and it says at the top of this page, Truth brings power, freedom, and life. To operate in the full potential that God has placed within you, you must recognize the truth of your identity and the law of truth that you are called to live out. They go together like a hand and glove. When we come into this knowledge and understanding of the redeeming life of God, it infuses our lives to touch and transform everyone and everything we meet. Life, authority, and righteous power flow from those who have mastered the truth that God has deposited in their spiritual DNA. All seven gifts represent the fullness, the divine fullness of God as seen in His Son, Jesus Christ. We may have been estranged. I certainly was. Alienated, even hostile toward God. I was absolutely a hostile enemy to God for many years. But now, you have been reconciled to Him by Christ. We must remain well-grounded and stable in our faith, in who He is and what He has done for us. 
Colossians 1.23. I'm going to read some of this to you today. Uh, well, I'm going to read Colossians 1.15 through 20 as well. The greatness of His power is available to those who will believe and keep on believing. Now listen with your spirit to the Word of God for you from Colossians 1.15 through 20. Now He is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For it was in Him that all things were created in heaven and on earth, things seen and things unseen, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created and exist through Him and in Him and for Him. And He Himself existed before all things, and in Him all things consist or hold together. He also is the head of His body, the church, seeing He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that He alone in everything and in every respect might occupy the chief place. For it has pleased the Father that all the divine fullness should dwell in Him permanently, and God purposed that through Him all things should be completely reconciled back to Himself, whether on earth or in heaven, as through Him made peace by means of the blood of His cross. Powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. God has reconciled us to Himself through Christ. Yet it occurs to me as I reflect on the dozens and dozens of people I've ministered to on this subject of spiritual identity and legitimacy, that it is no small task to reconcile ourselves to our original identity in God. Perhaps our souls have grown so enormous from a lifetime diet of lies and passivity of the Spirit that we can't get it and never will. But for those whom God has prepared to receive this message, it's right on time and very important. For many like me, it marks the difference between a meaningful second half of life and meaninglessness. We can't hide behind religious forms and customs anymore if we're going to be truly life-giving. The world is no longer crying out for God, y'all. The world is screaming. And for so many of us, too, I'd like to just add this, and I used to share this with clients when I was a professional counselor. I'd say, you know, you've got to quit going to dry wells. We've been going to dry wells of religion expecting to get water, right? No, no more, okay? This is a spiritual understanding. You'll get it as you keep, hang with me, hang with me. Therefore, getting our identity in Christ nailed down is fundamental to fulfilling God's plan to reconcile everything back to Him. We need to start by understanding the principles, the principles of truth, okay? The seven laws or principles of truth that apply to the seven redemptive gifts or spiritual identities. I'm going to use those expressions interchangeably, okay? If I say spiritual identity, it equals your redemptive gift. If I say your spiritual identity, I'm talking about your redemptive gift. Yes, Romans 12, 6 through 8. We're going to so unpack these in, in the coming weeks and months that you're, you're going to get it. But I just want to be really clear, real explicit with you today. And so if I say redemptive gift, that equals your spiritual identity, your core, your essence, your bent. Okay. And there are seven law. There's a law of truth that applies to each one of the seven gifts. Um, 
and they go like this. For the prophet, the, the law of truth is called design. Okay? And the challenge for us prophets is to stay con connected to other people. The second, the servant, is the second redemptive gift of the seven gifts. And the law of truth that applies to the redemptive gift of servant is what we call the law of authority. And one of the challenges for a person who is made as a servant in their essence is that they must accept that they have boundaries of their own. Number three, the teacher. The law of truth is called responsibility. And the challenge for a person made this way is to stop hiding behind religion. Stop hiding in the stacks of the library. Boy, that's an old expression since everything is virtual now. But uh, when I was growing up, we went to the library a lot, right? I know libraries still exist, but you know, in the stacks, you people that are made this way tend to hide in the books. Number four, the redemptive gift of exhorter. Sowing and reaping is the law of truth that applies to you. And, and the challenge for folks like that is that they need to learn to accept pain in their lives and learn from it, from poor choices that they make, etc., etc. We'll get into that more later. For the giver, the fifth gift, the fifth spiritual identity, the law of truth is called stewardship. And the challenge is to let God lead you to help others instead of you deciding how you're going to do it on your own. The sixth redemptive gift or spiritual identity is called the ruler. And the law of truth that applies to the ruler is called the law of freedom. The challenge for a person who is made this way is to understand that God wants them to nurture the spirits of the people that are under them and to be concerned more with people's spirits, that the nurture of people's spirits rather than getting a task done. And the last and final, best for last, is what I'd say, uh, redemptive gift is called the redemptive gift of mercy, the crown jewel of God's creation. And the uh, law of truth that applies to mercies is called the law of fulfillment. And the challenge for mercies is to worship God by being who we are, in him. Each law or principle of truth brings redeeming life when the gift is submitted to it. All of this supports God's plan for redeeming life on earth. I love the way the Good News Bible puts it. This is Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. God has made us what we are, and in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good deeds which he has already prepared for us to do. And Ephesians 3.10, again from the Good News Bible, in order that at the present time, by means of the church, the angelic rulers and powers in the heavenly world might learn of his wisdom in all its different forms. Our identity is one way that God chooses to reveal his multifaceted wisdom to the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. Now remember, these are the good guys and the bad guys of the universe, the angels of God and the angels of Satan, or hell. They wait and they watch to see who we are based on what we say and what we do. As we release the power of God through our lives, heaven comes down to earth through us. For even the whole creation, listen with your spirit, this is Romans 8:19. for even the whole creation, all nature, waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known, 
waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. This is what makes your spiritual identity so powerful. I'd say it's twofold. The power in your spiritual identity is twofold. One is when you operate in it, you are infused, you are dyed with the power of God. You are endowed with the power of God. And secondly, the second big takeaway for what makes spiritual identity so incredibly important and powerful is that it is the means by which God shows the entire universe His wisdom, and especially those principalities and powers, because we know we have a resistor, and He comes with His diabolical schemes and strategies, and He throws us curveballs, and He's sure He's going to do us in. But as we stay connected to fundamental identity and legitimacy in God, we are able to stay grounded, and the truth of God is in us, and we are able to overcome in every situation. I'm not saying you can't overcome if you don't know your spiritual identity. You absolutely can. God gives grace. But when you know who you are in your spirit, and you are operating in the truth which releases the power of God at that deepest level in you. You're a person of God who is able to partner with the Spirit of God in a way that other Christians cannot. I will, I will be so bold as to say that. And I really believe that God has released a grace for us in this era to connect to spiritual identity for that very purpose because so many believers don't understand dominion. They don't understand that that means partnering with God. They're too afraid to to do that. They don't have the authority to do that. They don't know who they are to do that. They're unable to operate in the truth that, uh, you know, aligns with God's truth at the deepest level in them. So their souls are trying to do something their souls were never made to do. You cannot carry your call the divine purpose for your life with your soul. Your soul simply doesn't have the bench strength to carry that weight. So I think I'm going to leave it there. Our question number three in this set of five questions in the introduction to the book entitled Witness to the Truth, question number three is, what is blocking me from experiencing fulfillment in my life? That's a big question. Many people have it because, again, they feel like they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing in the Christian life, but they don't feel fulfilled. Well, we're going to tackle that next time on uh, our next episode of Nurtured to Love. I'm Dorinda Trick. I'm glad you joined me for this uh, segment today. It was a powerful segment. Listen to it again so you can get, again, the two big reasons why your spiritual identity is so powerful. And check in with me next time as we continue to unpack what it means to witness to the truth, what it really means, and what difference it's going to make for you to connect to your spiritual identity. We've got many miles to travel together in this whole uh, arena. And I look forward to continuing to share with you uh, as, as we do. I, God bless your spirit today and have a great day.